Welcome to Business as an Adventure, a podcast dedicated to improving the businesses and lives of creative entrepreneurs. Together, we interview high-performing entrepreneurs and creatives from all over the world, explore what makes them and their business unique. And along the way, we uncover their secrets to help you craft your own adventure in the world of business. All right. So today is an especially great interview for me because I get to interview two of my best friends in the whole world. Before they were two-man studios, before they were two of the most awarded wedding photographers on the planet, before their workshops sold out in seconds, they were just my buddies from Canmore. Erica and Lanny don't really need that much of an introduction, but I'm going to give them one anyhow. They are two amazing fa- uh, parents to two of my amazing, or two of my favorite kids. Uh, they are wonderful adventure guides and travel partners. Erica makes some of my best favorite meals to eat whenever we get out to Canmore to share it with them. And Lanny always gets me good and hungover with his impeccable double IPA selection or cocktail making. Uh, they are two of the most amazing educators and picture makers in our industry, and both have been fearless photographers of the year. They are easily two of the fittest people that I know and have been trying to get me to go for runs, take yoga classes, or swing kettlebells with them for years, even after the aforementioned nights of cocktails, which I think is insane. And now they are launching one of the most ambitious online education platforms for photographers that has ever been attempted with Two Man University, launching the day this episode will air, March 30th, 2021. So head over to twomanu.com to sign up right now, unless of course it's already sold out, which is usually how things go that involve these two. I could spend the next hour saying nice things about Erica and Lanny, but you're not here to listen to me talk. You're here for them. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, guys. Ah. Oh. You want to talk about anxiety-inducing. <laughs> He's really good at these intros, by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you usually have to record mine like four times over, or I just flub it, and I'm just like, leave it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, right back at you, Dave. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be on everybody's mind. You launched the teaser, like what, three and a half, four weeks ago now at this point in time. Let's just dive right in. What the hell is Two Man U? And where did this insane idea come from? And and how is the jury in putting it together? It's it's kind of ironic that you asked us that because I would say that the whole idea of Two Man U started when we were in Bali with you two, actually. Mm As as many of our alumni know, we've got tons of alumni all over the world, but we hope sometimes we we host these alumni reunions and they're more like a creative retreat. Yeah. A creative retreat. And we hosted one in Bali a few years ago. Both of Angie and Dave were there. And man, there was some deep learning that took place there and some very uncomfortable moments, I will say as well, Um, for Angie and I specifically. (laughs) Yes. When we had to dance with our hands. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Actually, even just thinking about it, I get no. tense. Like, I'm like, my face is getting red right now because I get, yeah. Let's it, was, do some... it was the most embarrassing like hour and a half of my life. I know. Anyways, it was. I, I agree. I don't really want to do it again, but I will say I did take a lot from that, the, the entirety of the retreat, yeah. um, even the uncomfortable parts. But we realized that our current workshop, which is which is very mindset-based, but also very technical-based as well, is limiting to where the next level of education we want to go to, right? Which is what we were doing in Bali, that creative retreat where we went so much deeper with everybody because we were able to because everybody was at the same base level. Not the same base level, but at least... Right. Everybody had lived the same sort of 
shared experience in the workshop. In the workshops. And as well as that, we were all sort of at a similar point in our, you know, creative journeys. Yeah. And so kind of looking for the what's next. Yeah. And, and you and I were sort of at that point too with our workshops. Like every workshop we teach feels like an improvement on the previous one because we, we do look at it like, okay, how can we make this better next time? Like what could we do to make, you know, a, a, a more impactful experience next time? And we felt like we were getting to the point where, I mean, this is as good as we can do in, in these three in weeks. Medium. Or sorry, in these, these three days. Yeah, exactly. Like at an in-person gathering with like-minded photographers from around the world. This is, this feels like the best job we can possibly do in, in three days together. And I feel like Bali showed us the untapped potential of, okay, where could we go next? Like this could be the next kind of in-person experiences that we that we create but but we didn't want to get we also didn't want to get rid of our workshop and so we wanted it to be available to more people and we wanted it to be better than our in-person one which is is really hard to to say because so much of the magic is in the in-person which is why we haven't put anything online so far but we we started to realize because yes there is like an irreplaceable magic that comes with in-person gathering learning together but we realize there's untapped potential there's things that we can't do within the confinement of that right like 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 take you to 27 different locations exactly right the most we can do is we can all bundle up we can go outside for a demo shoot or something in like one one location one lighting condition right so we started to imagine like what if we could take people to 30 different locations right and show them how we would shoot in all kinds of different environments all kinds of different lighting situations what if they could see like into our viewfinder as we're actually composing the image, right? From different camera angles. What if they had the time and space to actually go and practice and integrate and, and watch again for the clarification, right? So and- that's, that's how two menu came about basically is we realized we wanted to go to the next level, but we've always said if we put something online, it's, it's, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. It's got to be better than what we can do in person. Else we're just doing it for the money. And that makes me want to vomit thinking about just putting something online for the money. So we had to make it better, which that's that. And I don't quite think we knew what we were fighting off. Oh, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagining what it could be and then actually building it and, and turning it into a reality is just like a monster. Mm-hmm. To, to pull it off and we've done it well we haven't quite but, done it we still have finished yeah i mean parts. it's it's um because we've done it in three weeks <laughs> i mean it, it was ambitious for sure and the other side of it was a was you know capitalizing on all this untapped potential of what we could do with a with a film crew right like and spread out over a 14 week semester of learning but then the other side was not losing some of the key parts of of the in-person experience like the face-to-face q a's for example so rather than this just being an online course that you know sits sits on your hard drive we wanted it to be uh like a semester-long mentorship where we literally go through the whole experience with all the students at the same pace and then we can go live in the community and answer their questions as they come up right so we can clarify throughout so it's like it's it is like a learning experience start to finish. You know, we we graduate together at the end sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly where most of the intent has gone in, not not just to the the curriculum itself and the actual content, 
is the arc of the learning experience, the start to finish. Mm-hmm. Is we feel that's the most important part of 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 learning, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the information itself; it's it's the experience around it. Mm-hmm. So you guys have been thinking about doing something online for a long time, right? I would say we 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 wrote it off for the mo- longest part. Like we could never imagine something online that would be anything close to in person. So yeah, we thought about it, but we just wrote it off. Well, and, and we realized in order to create what it would have to be w- would have been an undertaking that we just were not prepared to mm-hmm. to do until mm-hmm. now. So then what was the turning point where you said, okay, this is going to happen. We have the time to put into it. Mm. Well, there was never have the time. <laughs> we never wait until we have the time for something. Right. Right. I would say, honestly, it was, there were a few, like, Bali. Key, there, Bali was one of, like, you know, a few key moments where we're like, okay, I think this is next for us. Mm-hmm. It feels right. But it started with just life circumstances with the kids getting to the age because we were traveling so much with them at an age where it was possible and getting to the point where we wanted to get them back into into normal school with their friends mm-hmm. was like okay we need to start to figure out a way to travel less so that was one of the catalysts that got us thinking mm-hmm. bali for sure like bali for sure and i mean i i'm known for my 100 percent honesty so i'm just I'm just gonna go for it teaching workshops together is really hard on our marriage like ah, it's fucking hard like we finished those three-day workshops and i hate lanny like i i like and he hates me because we've interrupted each other and there's no matter what boundaries we set they one of us breaks them and we're not just business partners we're married so if he interrupts me or if i interrupt him it's not just a simple interruption. It's, it's and something it's, you're having. all the baggage around. So, it. Yeah. so but I'll just add, add to that. Like it's at, at these workshops, we're not mailing it in, right? It's not like no. we just show oh, up no. and okay, here we go. That's just why it's so hard on their marriage. Exactly. We're, we're both just like pouring everything we can into this thing together. And we both care so much. But it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, yeah. we step on each other's toes. We piss each other off. It's just hard. Yeah. I mean, Angie, you've seen it in person. <laughs> I, yeah. I think anyone who's taken your workshop has seen Dave it. Dave comes to our house. He's our therapist. He brings his clipboard. <laughs> his little clipboard. So, yeah. I mean, I got to the point where I'm like, you know, I, I, I realized the impact of these workshops. So, I didn't want to just pull the plug. But I was like, we can't. We we gotta some point put ourselves first as a couple. That's not what we've been doing the last twelve months building this course. Like, no. <laughs> but but I'm hoping it leads to some some more Lanny time as my husband. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, yeah, so it's so it started um, really the process of okay, we're doing this. Let's lean into it now and start creating it. Uh, about two two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like we were full tilt into it, kind of on track for having it ready for the world by last summer. And then, of course, COVID hit, the world yeah. fell apart. So in a way, that kind of freed up time to lean into it even more. And, and uh, I think it ended up being 
an even more ambitious thing than it would have been uh, now coming out this year. Mm-hmm. So is are the group retreats, is that something that you guys want to keep doing in the future? Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, one or two a year type thing. And, yeah. and that's sort of... That's how we can keep the quality up. And it's also how we can keep the magic of it up. Yeah. Right? Because these in-person workshops were so amazing. And each one had its own sort of special sauce that just made it amazing but the the repetition of them you know the repetition of anything sort of starts to eat away at at what makes it special Mm -hmm. and so i think we'll keep the quantity um really low and the quality really high and and bali was the eye-opener for that it's like okay here's what happens when you get a group of like-minded artists who've all had a shared, you know, experience together. We've all sort of climbed the same ladder to get to this point. And then it's like, okay, well, where can we go from here? That's that's what we want for the future in-person experiences. So everybody is already at this top of the ladder, essentially. Yeah. And then then we go to the then we go to the moon. Oh, then we don't know where we go. <laughs> Two man on the moon. <laughs> all right. I want to, I want to, Oh, Angie's got a question. Go for it, Angie. I, I saw that look in your face because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to left turn. So you go for it. Oh, okay. okay. Well, you know, you talk about teaching these workshops together and you want to just kill each other at the end of it. But you guys have, you guys have a very, um, I don't know, like set roles in your business for one another. Can you guys talk about what each of you are responsible for on the business side of things? Yeah. Um, I'd like to correct that. We have we have established set rules. Established. There's one person that doesn't follow them. There's gray zones that are sometimes no, they're not too, too gray. They're not gray. That's the thing. He thinks they're gray, but they're not. Anyways. Um, but we do have, and we're trying to get better at, well, I'm trying to get Lenny to get better at um, respecting, yeah, the, the boundaries that we do have set, for sure. So what are the rules? So mine would be all the client, basically anything, this, this is going to sound oversimplistic, but anything that needs to get done, like done, like like with a check mark next to it or crossed off the list is on my on my list, other than editing. Yeah, Erica, um, there's all the social mediaing, all the marketing. No. No, I'm not saying that. Some of that stuff has to get done. It has to get crossed off lists. Yes, but anything that immediately needs to get crossed off a list, like whereas any of the bigger picture stuff that is more, well, we, we both do the dreaming, but for ex- just as an example, I, w- I will say, you know, like if, if something required, needs to get done fast and quickly and efficiently, it's on my list. If it needs to, not needs, if you want to get it done slowly, methodically, perfectionistically, it's on your list. Right? Yeah. A little bit of an oversimplified version of things. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But that's generally how these things go. <laughs> it's generally, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, so- of course there's exceptions to that. Uh, and I think both both are really valuable. Um, sometimes Lion and I have a really hard time showing our appreciation for the other person and, and the traits that they bring to the business. But I, okay, mean, that's, so I think that's any married couple. Here's I mean, my version of how the rules are split up. Erica yeah. basically 
runs the two-man, day-to-day two-man operations, client experience, basically everything to do with that, like the, the, the our, our inbox, our client correspondence, basically everything on that side. And then workflow-wise, Erica basically takes care of ev- like client workflow, everything other than uh, post-production. And, and I'll clarify that post-production, um, because I do do the post-production of the bulk of the images, but the ones that the world sees, like the ones that go on our Instagram account and on our blog and stuff like that. The, which the art is in edits. Fine, the art is in edits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 And then we, we outsource the others. Mm-hmm. And, and then when it comes to beyond the client side, right, the client experience, what we deliver, like Eric is taking care of almost everything there. That rule, a lot of those rules shift over to me in terms of sharing the work with future clients on our blog, social media channels, etc. Well, and a lot of that came about, and, and it's still morphing, right? And and this is the whole challenge of, of being married and running a business together. But a lot of that came about as like as a power struggle, right? Like, you know, I'd write the blog post and then it wouldn't be up to Lanny's standards. So then he'd write the blog post and then, then we'd, you know, then we'd get in a fight about the next blog post. And so some, some, some of, some of what I used to do, I gave up and some of what Lanny used to do, he gave up just in order to sort of keep the peace yeah. within the house <laughs> and the office. Yeah. I want to, you both had mentioned marketing and the things that the world sees. And I want to, I want to go way, way back in the timeline. Cause this is a question I get from photographers who know that I know you guys all oh, the yeah. time <laughs> is was your, your marketing a conscious effort right from the beginning to go after photographers, to go for awards, to push it harder, to like almost have that ideal client be the photography market more so than like the average bride and groom because it seems like you guys broke the mold when it came to selling workshops nobody sells workshops at the price point at the speed you guys do and Mm -hmm. i equate a lot of that to you know going after fearless awards pushing your edits harder you know things like that was it a conscious choice can i take a stab at this answer yeah well a few things we opened a few doors there but yeah yeah we opened a few doors because well, Dave and I, you, you know, we've had conversations about contests all the time. I hate contests. I hate them. Did you hate them right from the beginning? Yes. I, I've always hated the way they make me feel because they, they, and I, and I've realized, and I've realized this through therapy sessions, like I've worked this out. Okay. Like this isn't just like a, I've realized that Lanny and I have two very different motivations and in order for me to really be motivated to do something, it has to come from internally, like somewhere really, really deep, and then radiate from there. And Lanny's, which is no less valuable, is more the opposite of that. And it, it does, at least initially, it might come from still an internal need, but it's, it's this external, like contests and impressing the world and super super high standards it comes from this like external need and then that gets internalized and that's how he produces really good work so i produce work like this and lanny produces work like that Mm -hmm. and 
for those of you that are listening to the audio, you haven't seen my hand movements, but basically I produce work from the inside out and Lanny produces work from the outside in. Erica's like a flower and I'm just an implosion. An implosion. <laughs> but I think that combination has really served us well because he holds me accountable for, because, because the, if, if I just went by my motivations, which I just talked about, I would never share anything in the world. I would never share any photo that didn't speak directly to my heart. I wouldn't share any, I, I would share the odd photo, but we wouldn't survive as a business. If we just went with Lanny's motivation, which is it, it, we would be soulless. Not that you're soulless, right? But I, I hold him accountable and he holds me accountable in those two. So the reason we are successful is because Lanny has got us out there in the world showing our work to everyone. And because I hold this to a really high stick, a high morals or not moral. Um, I hold this to a different high standard mm-hmm. that has more to do with. It's a, it's a blend of intrinsic and extrinsic values. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would also say though, like to answer your question directly, it, it hasn't been, it never was intentional to go after photographers or make photographers our, our audience, you know, and, and, and the way, for example, the way we edit our images, we don't edit our images to impress photographers. We edit our images to make ourselves proud that they look the way we want them to look for our clients. Right. So, and then in terms of, you know, showing our work on our website, blog, portfolio, social media, that's all always been from the start, just kind of a, day-to-day reactionary response to whatever, you know, ways we can get our work seen. I'm going to call you out on that Hmm? because we've had this conversation, right? Like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Call me out on what? I wasn't finished my sentence, but. No, but the the whole (laughs) idea of, yes, it's for the clients, but you would be way less motivated to work on a wedding uh, to edit the way that you do if you weren't blogging it. Right. Yeah. The, the larger, yeah. for me, the larger the audience, if I know that I'm going to have 10,000 eyes on this photo versus two eyes. Yeah. Inherently for me, I'm going to, I'm going to have more of a vested interest in trying to bring it up to the way I feel I can make it look best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, so it's not, not just, that. it's, it's not just for the clients is what I'm saying. Like, no, no. I'm not is... trying to say I only work for the clients. If that were the case, we'd never show our work to anybody other than the clients. Yeah. Right. But the nature of running a business as artists is we have to show the artwork, mm-hmm. right, uh, to, to future yeah. clients. And we okay. know that our future clients are out there in the world and the only way to reach them are our channels to do so. And mm-hmm. throughout the years, um, contests have been one of those means of getting our work in front of more eyes, right? Was, was there a moment or a turning point where you guys realized the audience that you had and you decided to to capitalize on that like from the first uh, balls out workshop at lake louise or things like that or was that just a, a just a natural growth progression for the two of you i'd say it was it was just a, a natural growth like we never we we weren't intentionally setting out to you know become educators or, no but I will. i'll just finish my thought and then okay but like at the time of the very first workshop it was a response to there was we were obviously we were sensing an obvious need or, or demand we were seeing lots of requests from photographers, mostly local based at, at that time, 
to, to do some sort of a workshop. And so it was a response to that. It's like, all right, well, let's, let's do one. Yeah. But I, I will say the motive, like that's, that, that boils down to the me, the, you know, our calling and the meaning of, of what we do as humans is if we have an impact on people or if people are looking at our work, that is a, a stage on which we can impact them in some way. Right. And of course, when we were starting out as photographers, we were very immature and our our whole idea of impacting them was based around photos and techniques and and lighting and there's nothing wrong with that and we had to go through that stage of our maturity as photographers but as we progressed through our career as photographers how we impact people has or how we use our platform has changed drastically right like that what i feel is what value I feel we provide to people now is completely different than the value we provided to oh, them for sure, for sure. eight like to ten years ago. Our first ever workshop, 2013 or 2014 or whenever it was, like at that time, it was where we were. Like that was everything we had at the time to share what we do and why we do it. And and that has changed drastically since then. And so now those, you know, what the motivations and the, the lessons within are incredibly different because we're entirely different people now right yeah well i think that's one of the the most interesting things about you know having that closest to the two of you and watching your career like from from that first you know meeting at the wedding summit in calgary way back in the day to us going to the canada photo convention and you guys getting you know inundated with with jvs and and the chrismans and dq studios and and all of those great photographers to coming home and how two man tent went from you know this type of photography to this type of photography and then you sort of found that balance back in the middle mm-hmm. the, the shift in your your blog posts the way that you teach the things the reasons why you teach and everything has has been it's been really really interesting and and different from a lot of photographers that i see out there because I think because of both of your ability to or, or or need to be open and honest and and no bullshit, what you guys are going through, yeah, what what you're going through definitely echoes into how you teach and what you teach and and your photography, like even just the growth of of uh, man's around the world came from you know an internal thing. Yeah, and I would say Dave, all that came through us. Or- especially me, I can only speak from my standpoint, but came from a very large internal struggle because I don't really value weddings and I don't really value mason jars and centerpieces and I don't value awards and I I don't really value photography that much. I really don't. Like, I'm not one of those photographers that has photos up in their wall. Like, I mean, I see the value of it, but it is a luxury product. I mean, we don't have wedding photos and I don't think we're worse off because of it. So, I mean, all of that has come from that struggle of trying to find value and a meaning in what we do. And I, for so long, I tried to find that value in the, the photos. And it's not in the photos. <laughs> for me, for some people it might be, but for me, it's not in the photos. It's not even in the act of taking pictures. The value is in the way I we can touch people in context so much bigger than photography. The values in the way that we can shift the way people see the world or the way they observe 
a moment or the way, not, not, not the way they photograph it, but the way they observe it and appreciate it, the way that they can find interest in something that they previously thought was kind of boring or the way they can appreciate the way the light is reflecting off the tree branch. Like all that stuff for me is so much more valuable than photography because it's making life better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right? like, like for us, when we hear from graduates that, oh, you changed the way I light or, you know, I learned these, this new technique that I understand now, you know, you changed my photography. Like when we hear that stuff, it's cool and we're happy to hear it, but it doesn't fulfill us the way it does when we hear messages like you totally changed the way I see the world or you right? changed, or you changed, you changed the way the, I live my life. Yeah. Or changed the way I, I feel like I'm a better person. My daughter or yeah. Exactly. That's the stuff or, that's like, wow. You know, I mean, if we can, if we can be helping with that sort of thing, I mean, that's, that's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, but all that stuff is born out of a really big struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, which you have bore witness to many times. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I I think it's kind of one of those like endearing running jokes in the wedding photography industry, <laughs> how everybody has seen you two bicker, and everybody is secretly behind oh. their hands is whispering to their partner saying that we're basically the same same way, you know, like Abby and I we we had to change the way that we wrote blog posts because I would write them and they wouldn't be up to her standard, so I just did the SEO and she like it's yeah. it's all very 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 similar. It's just you guys. You're in front of an audience as as it happens, and and you're not yeah. afraid to just be honest yeah. with yourselves. Well, we are afraid. I'm not even running a business with my husband. I'm just sharing an office with him now, and I just want to strangle him in his sleep sometimes. I'm like, why are you yelling on the phone all the time? Like, what are you yelling about? He's like, this is just how we talk. So I can't imagine. We don't share an office. <laughs> We've learned that we have Hawaii work. problems. We need another well, office. Well, we have like you're right though, Dave. Like it's the it's the whole working together, but then there's the 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 public by public I mean photography view of it right like like last week's Reddit thread where someone says you know I really enjoy the two men education they've got some great value however Erica's really unlikable Lanny's great though like that reading a statement like that is first of all I want you guys to know that it doesn't bother me at all because I'm used to it but that is hard on a marriage. Like, that kind of stuff is hard on a marriage. <laughs> like, yeah. it's hard on a marriage. Yeah. So. You, 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 you get everybody's comments publicly. And I mean, we've, t- we've talked about this for, for years. As soon, as soon as the haters started to come out of the woodworks, how do you, how do you guys deal with that? How do you deal with, because there's, there's so many photographers who see their, their business trajection, uh, trajectory, sorry, being uh, like, okay, I'm going to start shooting and then I'm going to get, get better and better and better. And then I'm going to be an educator or I'm going to be on the stage. And they don't, I don't think everybody is fully aware of, the downside of being in that public eye. So how do you two deal with mm-hmm. with the downside of that? If there is one. I mean, maybe there isn't. Well, but yeah. Well, let's just talk specifically about comments, for example, like trolls. And again, I would say we're very much, Lanny's more like this and I'm more like this. So Lanny writes incredibly thoughtful amazing responses to these people from a very from a place of like non-judgment i'm sure he's judging in his in his head but he he's 
he takes the emotion out of the response. And it's usually kind of cheeky as well in a funny way. But Lanny has turned so many haters into followers in that regard, which which is awesome. Like literally someone sent me an email last week saying, oh, I first found out about you guys on this, remember that UK uh, Facebook group where they were bad-mouthing us and you went in there mm-hmm. for 24 hours and just responded to people? Mm-hmm. That's how they found out about us. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're our biggest fans. So Lanny, Lanny just goes in and talks to them. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I write my journal. <laughs> oh my. Go, go run it out. I mean, it's yeah, and and you know what? They're all they're full of great learning experiences. They are, oh yeah, like, for sure. And it's, I mean, the reality is, it's you know, you take it hard. It's like ninety nine compliments plus one insult equals one insult, and that's you know, and and that's the kind of ratio that that it is right but that's all it takes is for that you know that one comment that's like you know but you just have to keep it in perspective and i recognize that usually if if somebody's saying something horrible publicly it's probably coming from a place of uh insecurity or or hurt or something so Mm -hmm. it is what it is but i mean yeah I, i wouldn't say that we ever set out to like follow some roadmap in our career, like we're going to be photographers and then we're going to make the work so good and then it's going to be noticed and then we're going to become educators. Like we never had a, a, a plan like that mapped out. It's it's sort of the way that it went by just responding to the opportunities that came up in the way that felt right for us at the time. We said yes to these ones because it felt right. We said no to these ones and it led us down the path that we've, we've gone but I, I think that what was driving all of those decisions throughout, like what we said yes to, what we said no to, the opportunities that we took on, was driven by our, our inner sense of what what feels right, which for us, it did lead us into or back to education as, as it were, because we, we were both in careers before photography that were uh, oriented towards A, education and B, um, curating experiences. Uh, for 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 people, you know, through, through in the mountain guiding careers and and outdoor education, and so we Except, sort of found our way back to that because because wedding photography never felt like okay, this is our passion or our calling or this is what we're meant to do. But for some reason, education feels much more in line with what. what right. I, I will say in regards to that that path. It wasn't just a series of decisions that felt right. There was a whole bunch of really bad decisions in there as well. Oh, I'm not saying we always made the right decisions. No, I know. (laughs) I just want to clarify that it wasn't just the right decisions. It was, there was many, there was just as many bad decisions as there were right decisions. But we force ourselves to think about what we were doing and why, and why the bad decisions were bad decisions. Is is there a particular one of those bad decisions that stands out as a good learning lesson for you? Taking on too much. Definitely. There's certainly been been periods when, you know, we overextended ourselves in number of weddings. There was a season where, you know, we couldn't handle the the, the volume of weddings we took on given the way that we shoot and, and edit weddings. It's hard to simplify it down to like a bad finite decision like that I can tell a story about because it's mm-hmm. like I, I think about um, 
you know, our decisions regarding contests, which is like a big overarching topic. And yeah, I think we made a lot of bad decisions about why we were entering contests at the beginning. Did it do us well? Did it give us a lot of fame? Yes. But it also led to a lot of really awful things. So. Yeah. Am I making it? Well, I just thought so, you were going to elaborate on it. Well, I can't really because it's not like a specific. Like really awful things. Well, it just, did. Just for people who you don't want, know what you you're talking about. You want me to elaborate on it? Just for people who don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, like, well, when Lanny got Fearless Photographer of the Year, I couldn't be happy for him. I couldn't be happy for him for about three months because because I was comparing myself to him and I always feel like I'm standing in his shadow and all of a sudden this contest was putting that out into the world of me being in your shadow. And I want to be happy for my husband. I want to be able to support him. And I couldn't be. And is that contest's fault? No, it isn't. But our desire to enter and be in the contest world definitely had that float to the surface for us. There, give an example. Perfect. <laughs> Did you feel the same when Erica won, yeah. Danny? No, because he doesn't stand in my shadow. And he and I don't And I I would I would say And that. and he didn't win on any of my photos. I didn't win on any of his photos. Okay, so she's referring to an image that I that okay, I shot matter. that was her idea. Technically based on the rules, we had to submit it under my name because I clicked the shutter. But partially that is because in, in our society, in our world, it's not a thing where I'm I'm standing in Eric's shadow. It's just kind of the way society is, unfortunately, mm -hmm. in, in our industry. Yeah. But but also because uh, honestly, my no part of my self-worth is attached to my performance in photo contests. Never has been, ne never will be. So it's, I mean, the photo contest game, if you will, is part of our business mm -hmm. and was never, has never been any more than that for me in terms of self-value or self-worth. So, um, yeah. So no, it wasn't like that for me at all. Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about that? Because I was having this conversation with photographers last night. We were talking about contests. Um, one of our friends was over who had, had just won uh, the Rangefinder Top Rising Stars or whatever. And we were explaining that in in the majority of photo contests, you don't enter as a studio. It's like whoever pushes the shutter is attributed to the photo, even if it was a collaborative process. Or, I mean, they all are essentially, especially with you guys, with the way you light and everything else like that. How do, how do you feel about that, and, and would you want to see it changed, or do you think that there's there's a benefit for well, it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see it changed. I, I mean, I, I think every contest is different, but the majority of them, you enter as an individual photographer. And, and I got to, like, because I, I did have, I have been called out on this, right, like, by several, I remember I took a mention of Gary Gionis, and he's like, He's like, why, who, why does it matter who took the shutter? And, you know, he's absolutely right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who took the shutter, but the, the bigger issue and which is really what I'm feeling is that I'm not just fighting for, for recognition for me. I'm not, I'm fighting for the recognition of feminine, <laughs> feminine energy. I'm, I'm fighting for the rec recognition of 
woman in the world and in the photography world. And so that is layered on top of it, right? That's kind of what, that's the layer that I'm fighting for. It's not the actual recognition of the photo. It's, it's just sexism. <laughs> the photography. Yeah. Is that, is that what gave birth to, to real life? It is. It is what gave birth to real life for sure. Yeah. So for, for those of you who don't know, uh, real life conf- conference was a photography is a photography conference, um, specifically for women and, and non-binary yes. photographers. Yeah. Is that so correct? Non-binary photographers. I started it. Yeah. Basically at the height of all this, I, I just felt, yeah, I felt there was, it's not, I mean, I'm in a position as a woman that I can at least empathize with what it feels like to be marginalized. I am not marginalized. I am a white, very white, very privileged woman, but I can empathize with what it feels like because I get marginalized against planning all the time. And it's, so Yeah, and it's this isn't just like, you know, um, awards. This is just like everyday experience oh, is, from yeah. the way that we're addressed on social media. People assume it's photo by sir, great photo sir. You know, it's 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 experiences at workshops where students will literally only address me with technical questions, mm-hmm. you know, at, at conferences, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's, you know. And so I, I was angry. Uh, angry or just it was like consistent enough oh andrew your workshop remember there was that one guy that like literally wouldn't even make eye contact with me every time you had to say no i made that photo it was me and lanny would be like no that was erica's photo she can talk about it over and over so that real life was really just a funnel for me to take all that energy that i was using to be angry about this and funnel it into something productive and it was i mean real life conference it was uh it was i ran it for two years before i passed it on to another woman and three years didn't you? i think two before i passed it on to another woman. Yeah. and it was impre- it was incredibly impactful for a lot of a lot of women in the photography industry yeah it was it was hands down the first conference that i had like the biggest fomo of not being able to go to <laughs> yeah yeah well, I mean, let's let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, this is something that Angie and I have talked about, and we've talked to some other guests about this as well. But like being being a woman, being a mother, both of you being parents in in all of this, how has how has your business been impacted or changed or or grew because of being a mom, being parents, and and has it been? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean photographing our children has uh, taught us the true meaning of shooting from the heart, right? Like, you know, when we, when I photograph Malin and Timmy or when Lani photographs Malin and Timmy, like the whole ego, the whole contest, the whole lighting, the whole composition is just pulled out of the equation because all of a sudden it's coming from a place of pure curiosity, right? Like I am interested in this person they are my offspring. I am not thinking about technical stuff. I'm just thinking about recording this beauty, mm-hmm. right? And even though I can't bring that to a wedding, I can aim to bring it from a wedding. I, I will never have the same curiosity as a wedding that I have for my own children, but I can try and bring elements of that. It teaches, shows us the potential, right, mm-hmm. of... Um making it about the subject and the story 
and, and not about the photography. And anything that shapes our work shapes our business. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot because you uh, you know you'll often ask us questions about our business, but really anything that that impacts our work and our art impacts our, our business. Mm-hmm. We make different work. We're running a different business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is if this is public knowledge, so <laughs> we can cut this if need be. But is that what drove you to start photographing families over the last year or so? Like ain't trying to get more of that, what you get out of your kids into your photography? I would say partially. I would say I definitely find more intrinsic value in photographing families than I do in photographing weddings, mm. for sure. But I'm I'm not over. I'm not like as passionate. Like I'm not passionate about photographing weddings. I'm not passionate about photographing families. I realize that they're both a, a vehicle for something much bigger. Mm-hmm. Angie, I feel like I've been asking all the questions here. You got you got you got to go for it. I've I've had one in the bank, but I was, it was a good role. It was a good role. I was gonna let it go. So with your guys' photography, um, it's obvious. Anyone who's ever, who's ever seen your work sees that you guys take a lot of risks in your work, right? And I feel like I've seen that bleed over into your, your business practices as well, especially with this this new uh, two-man you that's coming out, that the lighting course that you guys are giving out as a free lesson has some kind of controversial names to them, um, as, as well as I remember a few oh, yeah. years ago, um, an image of a, a boy peeking his head in while his, his mother was showering. It, that kind of broke the internet for a second. Yeah. so um can you guys talk a little bit about risk taking how that's a part of your brand and how that's influenced your business well i would say that we don't feel like i don't feel that we're taking risks any more than most others our definition of what's risky might be different but it, it doesn't feel like a risk i mean some people will say, oh, you know, you're taking risks at weddings by taking these types of shots or, but it doesn't feel like a risk for us. Like if I'm doing something that's, that's risky, I'm going for it, taking a long shot, something outside the box. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel risky. I think we've just got a different definition of, of what, what's risky. Like what can I afford to miss? What's worth taking a, taking a shot? You know, and, and yeah, so the, the dance floor lighting workshop, for example, that doesn't feel risky for us. That's just us. That's just, you know, it, it doesn't feel risky to, to, to make a, a, um, a workshop that's also entertaining. Uh, and, you know, it, it would feel more risky to us to do something boring. It would. <laughs> it yeah. Honestly, it would. But, if, but on paper, yes, everything we do is risky. Like if you just take a look at our lives right now, Okay, because of COVID, partially because of COVID, partially because of this course, partially because we're risk takers and we're kind of crazy, is we have literally, I'm getting a real open and so honest here, we've literally got all our eggs in one basket at, at this moment. Like, we went all every in. credit card is maxed out. Every line of credit is maxed out. We took out our entire retirement savings and... <laughs> and we haven't made any money in nine months. And, all, and, and a big part of that. All to get this course out, right? But in our mind, it was more risky to do a half-assed job than to do... The, so So on paper, it looks risky, but in our, in our, in our psyche, it, it feels 
less risky than the alternative. Yeah, to have gone ahead with it and just get it out there and make it happen and, and make all kinds of compromises to do so, in our minds, that would feel like we're taking a big risk here. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we're going to put our reputation on the line and put something out there in the world, like we better believe in it. Yeah. We better get it to where we know it needs to be. And yeah, we took huge risks to, to do so. We, I, I would say that in, in our, in our life, in our lives together, we do take a lot of risks uh, yeah. in that we, we break from conventional norms and do things that feel right on some level to us. But on paper, it seemed like, yeah, you know what? That's, you're going for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's because it, it feels like we'd be not us if we, if we did the alternative. Like, it, it's more to do with living our truth, like living our absolute truth. And, mm-hmm. and, um, living that truth is, is important to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys always been risk takers like this, or is it something that you've honed in over the years? I'd say honed in, for sure. I mean, I would say that I've always been a risk taker in some, you know, in some capacity, and it's changed over the years. Like pre-kids, took a lot of risks in the outdoors, you know, on adventures and put my neck out there and um, did things that I'm lucky to have lived through, honestly, you know, and, and... Risks that I would never, could never see myself taking again now that I have kids and those mm-hmm. responsibilities. So we take different kinds of risks, you know, by the things that we choose to do and not do with, with our life. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but it's, it's never a conscious, it's never been a conscious thing. Like, am I, am I, I need to become, you know, more, I need to take more risks or anything. It's well, just, there had, there was a point in the last couple months where it, it had to be conscious it was like are we doing this or are yeah. we doing this right? I, mean, like, I mean and that's what i was going to say i mean part of it is how important it was that this project lived up to what we imagined it could be and we lean into it with everything we've got but the other thing is there happened to be a perfect storm of circumstances surrounding it right obviously with covid and just everything as for so many of us it was a perfect storm as well at the same yeah. time it's kind of like karaoke. Like you can go up there and you can sing kind of shyly, and you're not really belting it out, but you're being safe. And or you can go out there and belt it out, and even if you suck, people are going to appreciate you for it. So we're just belting it out, karaoke style. But it, and and then if you circle that back to, around to like the work and some of the photos that we'll make at weddings, even from the beginning, part of that comes from. We talk about how we feel like weddings could be are pretty silly events on the surface, right? And the pageantry and the stuff that, you know, we don't really care too much about that predictable side of weddings. And so for us to like be potentially missing something that's straightforward and expected to do something else that's a bit of a long shot doesn't feel like that much of a risk because it doesn't feel like if I don't go in and get this cake cutting photo it's the end of the world because it's not as interesting as as this could be if it works out so it doesn't feel like a risk you know if i felt like i can't miss this whatever this straightforward predictable shot and if i anyways you get the point long-winded thing very long-winded <laughs> that's all right we don't have time limits <laughs> so i want to go back to the name of this lighting course though <laughs> because oh. for folks who haven't watched it yet <laughs> you talk about the different different ways to light a dance floor 
Yes. And some of the terms are 69, the masturbator, right? You have like all of these positions for this. Mm-hmm. Was I mean, you're obviously you're going to turn some people away with this kind of naming. Did you guys go back and forth on this or were you just like, no, like this is this is this is part of it. This is who we are. Well, yeah. we don't care what other people think. Well, no, we do care what other people think, right? We care if people think that our, our workshop is boring and lame and not engaging and not memorable. Mm-hmm. So, and as well, it, there was never like a, a, a single decision of, okay, we, we're going we're gonna to make one chapter of Two Man U free for people to, to sample and try, right? And so if we're going to do it, you know, okay, now we're going to come up with names. We've got to come up with something that's interesting. It's this goes way back to the first time that we started to teach our dance floor lighting. And we're like, okay, let's start to think about how we can teach what we do on the dance floor. And let's, and eventually we, we got to like a, a, a whole presentation essentially around that. But when we sit down to figure out how to create a presentation for an audience or a workshop for a group of students to learn something, the actual information itself the actual curriculum, the content, like here is the message, here's what we need to teach them and show them. That's, that's the easy part. That's, I mean, that's a small piece of everything that goes into it. The much bigger piece and what we feel is more important is how are we going to make it engaging and entertaining and memorable? How are we going to make it sink in? So it's something that they, that they want to watch, right? That they're not going to forget. And so that, sort of guides us in terms of, okay, like, how do we package this? The information is the easy part. How do we package it into a learning experience that's actually going to stick? And so, and so that's, that's what came about. I can't even remember how we stumbled onto that idea. For, I mean, and the lighting is just a, a part of that, of that, um, that class. But when it came down to like, okay, we, turns out we've got six different lighting techniques that we use. Do we name them A, B, C, D, E, one, two, three, four, five, six, or do we come up with something, something a little more uh, interesting? And so that's what we came up with. (laughs) Well, it's definitely not something people are going to forget. No, for sure. No, it's so true. They don't have to write notes because it'll stick in their head. (laughs) Yeah, which is good. I mean, you want to be memorable. And and I mean, especially for online learning, like it's already a struggle for so many people to stay engaged to make it all the way through the course. So. Um, that was um, so much of the, this course design was because I I can't take people's money and think they're going to become the the stat the ninety seven percent of people that aren't going to finish the online course. I mean, I know that's going to happen, um, but for some, I'd rather give those people their money back. Like, honestly, like as much, there's so much design and intent put into making people commit to this and finish it because they're, the, the, the money investment is one thing, the time investment's another. And then the implementation investment is, of course, the, the biggest, most important thing. And, and, and we feel that as a weight on our shoulders, like that, mm-hmm. that's a pressure for us. When photographers trust us, and make the sacrifices that they make for us to help them with with their learning, mm-hmm. um, their photography, their, with their career. That's not something we take lightly. No. Uh, and, and that's why we put so much into making sure this can actually be a transformative experience mm-hmm. for as many of them as possible. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Because the reality is every piece of, of two-man you, every little bit of information is already out there. You can go find it somewhere. You can Google everything. You can find all that, all that information, right? It's, it's the learning experience where the magic is, right? Putting it, bringing, bringing them through. You get the point. (laughs) You believe in it, obviously. Okay. So I want, okay. Doing this just for laughs because. I know you guys have had so many oh interviews. Oh no, you're gonna ask us over the years. Things. Don't do it, Dave. But you're only oh, okay. able to give one word answers, and they don't have to be right or anything else like that. But I just, I just, okay. As your friend, Good. I have to Let's torture you in this way. So, what inspires you? Myself, Erica. <laughs> Something to say for now. I love it. I love it. Favorite photographer? Myself. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. <laughs> Erica. She's really thinking on this one. I oh, just, God. I'm thinking of all the... I was like, did the camera freeze or... Nope, she's just still thinking. <laughs> oh, there, I can't narrow it down. But the... how about when you started? Who was your first favorite? Well, when who, I started, it was all. It wasn't based on. It's it, it, like you know how it takes a really good writer to recognize really good writing, and I feel like what I mm. really liked at the beginning, I don't, I don't like anymore. Um, you know, Timmy, Timmy's one of my favorite photographers. He's our son. And he just photographs for this. He doesn't share anything. He just does it for the process of it. I love his work. With more than one word. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. The answer was Timmy. But you're allowed to talk about your kids anytime you like. <laughs> Biggest regret in the last, what is it, 12 years now oh, that you guys have been photographers? With to photography? Yeah. Or business. Or business, yeah. Could be a funny one. Letting Lanny you press the that shutter too. for that one shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not my That's going to be engraved on your tombstone. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be on the tombstone. <laughs> I should have pushed the shutter, Erica. <laughs> that's a tough one because honestly, most of the things that come to mind, I'm like, actually, no, I, I would... Rather that have happened because of the lessons we learned from it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a tough one. My inclination is to say no regrets, honestly. I'd I mean, say our my biggest regret is putting photography before us, which we still do. Not photography, but a business before us. Do you, do you think that with the new direction that you guys are moving into, that will change? With with less travel days and, and, and things like that? No? No. Yeah. It only only change yeah. if we change. Well, you guys are good at changing, so. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. It, it'll change with intentional effort and work, but I don't think it'll change just because we've gone a new it's... direction. I think it, it's gonna. I think we're in really bad habits right now, actually, um, because we've been working so hard on this, um, and we still have a few more weeks to work hard on it. But it's not like once we put this out into the world, it's like ah, okay, it's all done. 
Okay, let's work on our marriage Well, because, now. because it's deeper than just this or the work, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, we're too busy or we have too many weddings or we're traveling too much. Like, you know, it's... it's Everybody at, has at, a to-do at, list at, up, out there. Exactly. Ass, right? It's always like, something because we are fundamentally who we are. And so we are going to get overly vested in certain things at certain times, you know, and as a result... You know, it's it can be hard. So, you know, we kind of have to look deeper at changing yeah. who we are, <laughs> you know, in order to be better. And, yeah. Yeah. What's an assumption that everybody makes about your business that isn't true? And this doesn't have to be a one word answer. Yeah. Uh, that we're all about off camera flash. Yeah, there's it's interesting. I see. I see lots of misperceptions, and it usually it's usually from people who who clearly have not had much experience or interaction with us outside of some photos that they've seen here or there. But that's that's a common one around the work is sometimes they assume that all of the photos are flashy, trippy. You know, I, I also I also see the misperception. Perception, and it's a common one it's that like everything's roses. <laughs> that it, I mean, you pretty much have to have never met Erica and I or had any experience with us to feel that way. But um, it is a common one. This, people have, have this interview <laughs> would set that reference. <laughs> but people will see, you know, just see the work and and just assume, oh, it's travel the world and everything's great and we always get along and <laughs> and the creative process is is all uh, you know all rainbows and so yeah. No, it's all right. We're we're off of the one word <laughs> questions now. I'm, yeah, back to just oh, okay. things that I want to know. And another one that I that I sense, like, and getting back to like you know negative comments or things that we'll see is is sometimes people will I, I sense that there's an assumption that we think we're good, we think our work is good, <laughs> and it's such a common it, it it's 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 such a we misperception. Like, yeah. did. They don't understand how much we struggle and how much we think that we're imposters. And, and so, you know, like comments will be made and it's like, yeah, we, we know our work isn't good. We're like our biggest critics. Like you're not telling us anything that, you know, is shocking to us because there's the assumption that we think our work is great, you know? Hmm. So what's the, what's the biggest failure that you guys have had in your business? I know we talked about regrets and he said no regrets and then, you know, Erica and her shutter thing. But when you talk about, or maybe what, like, what was your favorite failure? Favorite failure. That's a good one. Cause I'd say our, the, our biggest failure is the same as the regret, which is, is, which is letting our business take over. Our hurt, our, hurt, hurt our relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's also strengthened our relationship in some ways. Yeah. You know, yeah, it has for sure. So, uh, I'd say my biggest failure that I continue uh, to struggle with is wasting time on Facebook. <laughs> Every time I spend more than like ten minutes mindlessly scrolling Facebook or Instagram, I experience that as a failure. I'm like, what am mm-hmm. I doing? This is such a freaking waste of my time. Like, why am I doing this? Like, and so, and that happens probably a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to think of anything, honestly, 
anything specific, but I would say ge- generally. <laughs> just got a running list. Uh, I'm just joking. I'm keeping things light. Mm. Can you tell we're kind of like a little tension here today? Because we tried to watch a TV show um, last night. But I would say similar, generally speaking, for me is failures would be any anything that I've done that has prevented me from spending quality time with my family. And there's no shortage of time wasted time wasted in running this business. So what would you like to move into in the future? I mean you're 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 I I remember very distinctly uh the the era of two men where you guys started talking about the zombie apocalypse of wedding photography and how it became like harder and harder to compete and and things. And I think there was a big shift and, and correct me where I'm wrong, but it seemed like that's where a big shift in in your education and in everything you were doing leaned more towards, you know, mindset, personal growth and things like that. So where where do you go from here in in your business to to maybe fix some of those failures or, or move towards, you know, greener pastures? Well, okay. So there's two answers to that question. There's the utopian view, which is I quit photography and I open up a cafe bookstore. That is like my dream with an espresso machine. You're speaking my language, Erica. Oh my god, I so want to do that. But that's like the whole grass is always greener thing, right? Like like who knows? The the real um the real is just never settle. Like we're not ever and gonna settle. I'm not I'm not ever gonna settle that okay, I'm at where I wanna be. I mean, I'll settle for a few days for sure. Like but Yeah, and and the honest answer is we don't know, or yeah. I don't know, honestly, and we never have known. At, at no point in our career or any of our previous careers, because this is the fifth career, have we felt like, oh, we know what the plan is and this is where we're going. It's always been a big unknown. And it's, it's always been, I guess that there is a knowing that it's going to be something different. It's going to be some, someplace new. Five years from now, we're not going to be doing the same thing we're doing in the same way for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. And who knows, you know, how much photography is a part of that or not a part of that. But we've always felt from the beginning, like, this is a stepping stone to something else, somewhere else, the direction that we're going. Um, we could self photography in the cafe. <laughs> Except I, I, I say next profession, and I say this with love, and I say this because I love us. Um, I say next profession is we, is we try and have separate professions. Best thing for my marriage that's separate ever happened. Separate careers aren't so <laughs> intertwined that, you know, we can't go for a walk without talking about what needs to be done with business. And mm-hmm. I know that works for some people and that's awesome. And it could, it could probably work for Lanny. I mean, you guys have seen how it's good, been good for Abby and I to have separate businesses. So, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, well, you can come work at my bookstore, okay. okay? I'll make the espresso and read books. <laughs> the espresso? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's fast yeah, coffee, right? It's espresso. I've managed a coffee shop for like five and a half years. It's definitely espresso. I'm sorry? Is it Is it... Is it like as romantic as it? No. Like, no, people are really picky about their coffee, guys. <laughs> like, 
you'll make it the same way every time. But then yeah. you're like, no, this tastes a little bit different. And I'm like, listen, like, they're coffee beans. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you can see some good coffee when you're in Hawaii. Cowboy. Oh, in in, cowboy in Makawao, uh, Sydney. Cowboy coffee? I think it was where I took you guys. Basically coffee. Yeah. I thought it was good coffee. Anyways, trust me, there's no one that knows um, Pippi better than I do. Mm-hmm. It's not because I'm picky. So he knows what he likes. Just just throw in those barbs out today, Erica. <laughs> you still have the rest of the day to spend with one another, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no, let go out to the garage where he's got his little man cave workspace. And we'll be good. We'll wake up tomorrow morning and we'll be fine. <laughs> it always is. It always is. It's kind of like I often actually in our workshops I compare. I'm like this is how like it's like this with photography, right? Like you finish a wedding and you're like, God. That was the worst wedding ever. I want to quit my job. Or during the wedding. And, and uh, you know you're not going to quit it. Like, it's just, you just know that you go through some ups and downs. I mean, if we all, I think it's super naive just to think that we're all going to be here all the time. I think you guys put out that, well, yeah. did you guys make that chart? That was like the beginning of the wedding day. You're like pumped and ready to go. Yeah, After getting ready, you're like, everything sucks. I'm shitting the bed on this. This is terrible. Psychological roller coaster of a wedding yeah. day. Yeah, emotional roller coaster. Emotional I think roller coaster. It. Yeah. yeah, emotional roller coaster of a wedding day. Yeah, and and I mean that's just life. Life's an emotional roller coaster, and then all the little sections are wedding photography, marriage, child rearing, renovations, cooking dinner. Like everything goes through its ups and downs. True. All right, Angie, you want to hit us with the final? Yeah. Okay, guys, so seeing as business is an adventure, what are the field notes or trail guide that you would give to somebody starting their own adventure? Yeah, I would say it would not be a guide with a direct with a specific direction, like turn left here, turn right here. Mm-hmm. It would be a direction. And my, my direction is honesty. Uh, what's your direction? I don't know. It's a feeling, you know, it's, it's what feels right, you know, which is hard to put words to at any one time or, or define as a direction. I would say though, that what I like best about that business as an adventure is the adventure part is to know that it is an adventure and what is the definition of adventure is not knowing the outcome. If you know the outcome, it's not an adventure. <laughs> So keep that in mind because people are often looking for that formula, that roadmap that, you know, which defines like this is what it's going to be. You do A, B, C, and it's going to lead to D. To just recognize that it is an adventure, which means the outcome is unknown, which is what makes it exciting Mm -hmm. and also stressful. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big thing for both Angie and I, that it's it's not prescriptive. And the how-to is way less important than the why-to. Mm-hmm. And even I feel mm-hmm. like, like when you say, and the only reason I'm thinking about this is because I'm writing a newsletter about this week, but is when you say it's a feeling, I don't know. As a woman, I cannot trust my feelings. 
Like I can't. Like I, I know a lot of people will say, trust your gut. Trust, I mean, if I trusted my gut, I would never go out for a run because I'm too scared of bears. It's true. Like I'm terrified of bears. Hashtag gut. But, but you've got a stronger. <laughs> there's a stronger feeling that does get you out the door. I no no because that's it, I don't I never go for a run because I feel like it. Really? I never no I run because I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never sit down and write a newsletter because I feel like it. I sit down and write because I'm becoming a writer. Yeah, I'm not saying I never, I'm not saying that everything I do is because it feels like yeah. what I want to be doing in that moment. No, and I'm not but there's si- there I, is an underlying feeling that yeah. if you ask me what's my direction, uh, you know, and if I'm going to put one word to that, it's it, it's a feeling, mm-hmm. it's an indescribable mm-hmm. thing that yeah. I'm always doing things that I'd rather be doing any number of other things in that just, moment. Yeah. I just feel like personally, um, so I've read so many freaking health, self-help books. Whenever they talk about feeling or following your gut or following your instincts, it doesn't work for me because sometimes my instincts tell me to do the exact opposite of what I know I should do. Yeah. Um, when you say, I know what I should do, is that not a feeling? Not, not, not always. Anyways, it's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah, we often, especially as artists, get hung up on these sort of, I don't want to say fluffy ideas because they're not. They're super strong. But sometimes, sometimes we just got to you know, make the pictures regardless of if we're feeling inspired or yeah, uh, want to do it, right? Like, if, if you're creative, you give yourself time to be creative. You don't just give yourself time to sit and do nothing. I don't know. I'm not making sense anymore. No, that's all right. Sorry. I really enjoyed this trip down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much, guys, for, for jumping on with us today. And if you're listening and it is uh, the 30th of March, go out and sign up right now. Um, you will not regret it. Uh, anything that I've ever been a part of with these two has always been, you know, beyond 110%. So make sure that if, if you're if you're a photographer, a wedding photographer, uh, and you're looking to, to up your game, go sign up to menu.com. Yeah, enroll enrollments closes on the sixth. There we go. So I'm, I'm I'm sure all of your friends are going to be posting all about it as they all sign up and are super stoked. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, all yeah. Right. All right. Thanks, well, guys. thank you guys so much for having us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks so much for tuning into our show today. You can find a transcript of this episode and all of our episodes, as well as our show notes, at businessasanadventure.co/podcast. You can find us on our Instagram at business as an adventure. We'd also love to see you in our Facebook community where we provide weekly free education for our fellow adventurers. You can find the link in our show notes. And finally, if you want to get a weekly, not spammy email from us with our favorite things we've found in the business and creative world, you can sign up for our field note Fridays at businessasanadventure.co slash field notes.